Stepping out of the ivory tower and into the arms of a patient community. Up next on The Scope. Examining the latest research and telling you about the latest breakthroughs. The Science and Research Show is on The Scope. I'm talking with Dr. Gabrielle Cardin, Associate Professor of Human Genetics at the University of Utah. Dr. Cardin, you were in Washington, D.C. last week. What were you doing there? The purpose of the whole trip to D.C. was to go with these families who are all affected by congenital diaphragmatic hernia. So this is a common birth defect um, that affects about 1 in 3,000 children and to rally support from the House and Senate for increased funding for NIH, in particular for birth defects and CDH. Could you have imagined doing this a year ago? Well, maybe a year ago, but five years ago, I wouldn't have. What we were able to find is that the connective tissue, which is basically the matrix that's surrounding the muscle and hooking the muscle to the tendon was regulating everything about development of the diaphragm's muscle. It controlled normal development and that actually mutations in the connective tissue were the cause of this very common birth defect. At first it was, you know, it's just a really interesting scientific question. And then over the years as we started to make progress and we realized that actually maybe we could gain some serious insights, then I was very interested in connecting with the families, in part just because you get interested in it and you want to know really what, what is the situation if you have CDH. Um, and then in part because it turns out the family members have lots of information that they don't realize that they have that gives you incredible insight into um, the birth defect. I mean, is it fair to say that this intersection with this disease has totally refocused at least part of your lab? Oh, yes. I had always worked on limb development and limb defects. Now, more than half the lab is working on Mm. the diaphragm. You had mentioned that they have information that has helped you. What, What kind of information? So, for instance, I was talking to parents in D.C., and there were um, at least two parents who were talking about CDH babies in which also in that baby was not only this diaphragmatic hernia, but they had a cleft palate. Mm. And it turns out that there are um, developmental processes that are very strongly linked between the two. And so if to see them repeatedly in the same patient gives you some insight into the science behind it. So that was something that was really interesting. Do you think that you've been able to give something back to them? I mean, do you you talk to them about your science and do they understand it? (laughs) Right. So um, actually, I I think there's one way that was sort of surprising that I think maybe had the most impact on them. So there's an enormous variability in this single diagnosis. And For the families, that's really hard. So it is really hard to be the parent of a child who dies and meet up and see a parent of a kid who also has the same defect but looks completely normal. Um, And I think that's very difficult. I think it's difficult to be a cohesive group when there's such different outcomes. So I think the thing that I could contribute to that conversation is to tell them that there are good genetic reasons as to why there's such variability. And in fact, this is one of the the real scientific conundrums about the the defect, is that there are many ways to get a hernia. And in part, some of those ways to get it involves these, these de novo mutations that arise in the kids. And when and where those mutations arise really affects the outcome. And so that when as a parent, as a pregnant mother, you're diagnosed at 20 weeks with the CDH, 
you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen when your baby is born. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's, so it's, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Yeah. And it's very different from, let's say, um, people who have Duchenne muscular dystrophy, where they're all pretty, there's some uniformity to the disease. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, a pretty right. general progression. There, there is not any uniformity. In CDH, which makes it really difficult. Yeah. Do, I mean, do you think they take comfort? Some people have taken comfort I, in knowing that. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. hard to know. I mean, this is my first, you know, yeah. sort of serious interaction with patients, or sorry, with parents of patients and with patients. Um, and some of the par- parents, you know, it was pretty raw. I mean, they mm. there were parents um, who were at this meeting who had lost their baby only a month ago. Oh God. So yeah. it's kind of you know they're in a in a tough. Tough place. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously this is turned into a kind of an emotional investment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as well as a time investment. I mean, I don't know. What, is, what has that meant for you? So I don't know. I, I mean, I spend, I make a pretty serious commitment to do the science. And that commitment means that I'm taking time away from my family. And so I would hope that what I'm doing should be something that's important and makes an impact on someone. And so it's helpful to be seeing who that would make a difference to. And I really am still a basic scientist, but, you know, it's kind of hard when you're working in this direction and you could see that there are hints that you may be able to do something in terms of therapy. And it feels like it would be, it's a challenge. It's kind of this puzzle. Why wouldn't you do it? We, we could actually tr- do some clinical trials using mice. Now, wouldn't that be really interesting? Is there anything that you can think of that you want to make sure to get across? Oh, I, I, I guess the one thing is really that um, scientists sometimes shy away from, from interacting with the patients or the families. And it, and it seems a shame. You know, yeah. it seems like you can learn so much from them. They have an enormous amount of knowledge that they don't even realize that they have mm-hmm. about the disease. It's just, you know, buried in them, you know, funny little observations that they have made. And you come in there with a completely different set of eyes and talk to them and they'll make some, they'll say something and you'll go, wait, 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 say that again. So what is it? What happened here? And and you learn a huge amount from them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really worthwhile. Interesting, informative, and all in the name of better health. This is the Scope Health Sciences Radio.